0: All right, let's move on to 2.4. We're going to cover 2.4, 2.5, 2.6. And I think think I'm going to stop there because we have the DTM and ETM with these indicators. Remember, have your articulation guide out. um, And if you need the digital copy, go to the College Board site. All right, so we need to look at the factors that account for contemporary and historical trends in population growth and decline. We spent a lot of time with this. Um, And if you are still struggling with it, please watch the Hans video, don't panic. Remember when we covered everything from total fertility rate, we talked about contraceptives, we talked about the role of women, the industrial revolution, this is all going to hopefully come back to you. So let's go back to 2.8.1. Demographic factors that determine a population's growth and decline are fertility rate, mortality rate, migration. I need to stop there and talk to you about this. When we have done practice FRQs, a lot of you talk about population growth and population decline and immediately you go into birth rate. And remember, a trick to this, now that we know that you're gonna be writing FRQs on the college board exam, the moment you write birth rate, you follow it up with total fertility rate. The moment you write total fertility rate, remember you follow it up with birth rate. Cover yourself you guys use it incorrectly. According to the college board, the only three factors that determine whether or not your population is going to grow or decline are total fertility rate, mortality rate, migration. That's it. Notice I didn't say birth rate. Just to make sure, let's go over the definitions. Birth rate, or crude birth rate, is the number of live births per year for each 1,000 people. In contrast, the total fertility rate focuses on women in their childbearing years, which is typically 15 to 49, and it's the average number of children who were born per woman of that group in a country. Okay, so when we compare the CBR and the total fertility rate, the total fertility rate accurately reflects the cultural norms such as how many people weigh the cost and benefits of having a child and how people perceive the role of women in society. The countries that have the highest total fertility rate are found in the periphery, especially on the continent of Africa. In most of the world, um, the total fertility rate was higher in the past than it is today. Um, and if you think about Europe, they averaged usually about 6.2. And now we know that in certain parts of Europe, there's actually concerns about population growth. And the growth could be slow or possibly even uh, in negative growth. And then down the road, we'll get into pronatalist uh, approaches, why you want to encourage growth remember when we talked about all of this we talked about changes in fertility uh the big revolution remember anytime you're going to see a revolution it's the industrial revolution we start to look at how the industrial revolution changed uh, society and the demographics remember you used to make food you needed a lot of people to work on a farm you used to make food for yourself but after the industrial revolution you needed fewer children. And it also allowed people to live longer. So even though total fertility rate declined, population growth increased because people were living longer. And that should start to make sense to you with the DTM and you working on the shower curtain. We could talk about how the role of women have changed throughout societies. Right? We could talk about uh, family planning and contraceptives. We could talk about religious values and how they shape attitudes to having children. You know, we talked about some religious traditions oppose certain forms of family planning. And that's why on a population pyramid, the first thing you do is you look at the top, you look at the bottom, and you look at the country. If you notice that the country is very religious, you know that right away the bottom of that pyramid is going to be wide regardless of the level of development of that country we could talk about government programs to reduce birth right we could talk about anti-natalist policies and the best example of that is the one child policy in china but that's actually coming in the articulation guide so i'm going to kind of hold off to that we could talk about life expectancy Right. So even though the total fertility rate has been decreasing, the world's population continues to grow. And this growth reflects a decrease in the death rate and an increase in how long people live. And that was that video from Hans that we watched. Don't panic. Um, But the most important factor in the increase in global population is the rise in life expectancy. And the definition of life expectancy is the number of years the average person will live. Um, So a a century ago, the global life expectancy was about 34 years at birth. Today, it's nearly 70. And in some places of the world, it's even closer to 80. All right, so we could look at that. We could look at infant mortality rate, the number of children who die before their first birthday. So let's give an example in the United States. In Massachusetts, the infant mortality rate decreased from 130 out of 1,000 to about four today. And that stat was from 1850. So in 1850 in Massachusetts, about 130 babies would die a year. Today, it's about four. And then we could even do a scale of an analysis and zoom in on the state of Massachusetts. Do we see a difference between the rural areas and the urban areas? We could talk about better food production and nutrition. We could talk about public sanitation. We could talk about clean water, um, the infrastructure. We could talk about improvements in healthcare. Those are all reasons why all of this is working together. Geographers use the rate of natural increase. I apologize. That's 2.8.2. Geographers use the rate of natural increase and population double time to explain population growth and decline. Okay, so here we go. Population increase. When we're talking about natural increase, all we are going to do is we are going to take the birth rate and subtract the death rate. That's it. So rate of natural increase, all you are doing is you are calculating it by taking the crude birth rate and subtracting it by the crude death rate. You are not going to look into migration. Migration is not going to, not going to be counted in the natural increase rate. So if we look at Chapin, we would take the number of babies being born, crude birth rate, and those who are dying. And that would be, okay, well, is Chapin growing naturally? Is it declining naturally? But then we start to add other factors into it, like migration. We know Chapin's growing because of all of the people moving into the area, all right? Now, when we talk about doubling time, um, doubling time is when we look at how long does it take for our country's population to double. So since the early 1800s, global population has been growing exponentially. For any quantity growing exponentially, the time it takes to double in size can be estimated using the equation known as the rule of 70. Assuming the growth rate remains steady, the approximate doubling time in years will be 70 divided by the growth rate per year. For example, in 2014, the West African country of Ivory Coast had a population growth rate of 2.0. Since 70 divided by 2 equals 35, if the growth rate rate remains about 2.0%, the population of the Ivory Coast will double in 35 years. The United States, okay, so the Ivory Coast is a developing country, The United States had a much lower growth rate of 0.77. So if the United States growth rate remains 0.77, the U.S. population will double in 91 years. So the more developed you are, the core country, the longer it will take to double your population. If you are a periphery, if you are a third world country, it's going to happen very, very quick. Okay? Uh, Let's go to social, cultural, political, and economic factors influence fertility, mortality, and migration rates. And that's 2.8.3. So kind of going back to everything about, you know, um, like the Industrial Revolution, the role of women in society, uh, what the government can do to encourage or restrict growth, family planning, um, economic factors, um, level of education those all influence the number of babies you have how long you're going to live and then whether or not you are going to move and remember the number one reason why people move is because of jobs so you are going to then see people move to areas and population will go up because of those job opportunities all right let's go to the dtm 2.5 We have to explain the theories of population growth and decline. So we just finished talking about what causes population to go up, what causes population to go down. We need to understand in 2.B.1, the demographic transition model can be used to explain population change over time. And then the last one, which I think is very relevant today, the epidemiological transition explain causes of changing death rates, two. All right, so here we go. Changes in the birth rate and death rate in a country are shaped by how a country changes from a farming to industrial society. So how you go from a primary activity to a secondary activity. And the DTM, remember, has five stages of population change that countries pass through as they modernize. Remember, we really don't have a time period for like stage one, stage two, stage three, And it can vary, but right now, there are no countries in stage one. These would be tribal areas. The developed countries of the world pass through these stages first, while the underdeveloped areas, so the semi, the periphery, the second world, the third world, are still passing through the early and middle stages. So we talk about this um, with five stages. So we call stage one, high stationary, Stage two, early expanding. Stage three, late expanding. Stage four, low stationary. And then five, declining. Remember, when we look at this, we look at birth rate, death rate, natural increase rate. That's it. I'm going to say that again. We look at birth rate, death rate, natural increase rate. So when we look at birth rate, let's go through stage one and then we'll go through each of the stages. Birth rate is high, and it's high because there's a need for farm labor. Um, There's a need that not everybody um, is going to live. So you remember in the video with Hans, uh, the amount of children, infant mortality rate is high, the death rate is high, there's disease, there's poor sanitation. So you are going to have a high birth rate. Population change is very low growth because birth rates and death rates are both high right we know that you're having a lot of babies we know that you're having a lot of babies but the babies are not living the death rate is high and you're not living very long examples today would be isolated groups population pyramid or that age structure diagram would represent very young so you would have a very wide base and narrow at the top let's go to stage two birth rate is high um, and they, they're kind of fluctuating for the desire of a big family. So it's still high. Death rate is rapidly declining because nutrition, sanitation, and medicine improves. Remember, the moment those improves, you're going to see it. Today, when something improves, we tend not to see it because we are already living so late or so you know high into the 80s. And our death rate is so low that when something major happens, sometimes we don't, we don't feel the effects. Population changes rapid growth as death rates fall faster than birth rates. Uh, examples today would be your poorest country, the South Sudan, Mali, pretty much uh, your stereotypical countries in Africa. Population pyramid is very young. We get to stage three. Um, Birth rate is declining because of urbanization and industrialization. There's also a decrease for the need of child labor. Death rates are declining, but not as fast as the previous stage because those improvements have now been there for a little bit. And the initial like shock and awe of that is kind of wearing off. So they're they're still declining, but not as rapid as before. Remember, I talked about it being like a roller coaster when we did the DTM. And the moment you start to see the death rate, it's like that big drop, that big first hill of a roller coaster. Population change is rapid but slowing because birth rates rates decline. Examples today would be your true semi-periphery, your second world, Mexico, Turkey, and your age structure diagram is young with a rising life expectancy. We go to stage four. Stage four, your birth rate is low, but enough to keep the population stable. So you have, you know, women are educated, the role of women are changing, the less need for child labor, so it's low, but you're, you're all right. Um, death rate is low and stable. Population change is very low growth because birth and death rates are low. Uh, examples today would be the United States china because of the one child policy and that's where you look at it and say guess what the one child policy worked population structure is balanced with more aging and you know when you get into that aging population that's dependency issues the graying population stage five does exist it is so low it falls below the death rate and that's when you get negative growth Uh, the death rate is low sometimes increasing as the population ages Population change is very low decline as birth falls below death rates. Two best examples, Japan, Germany, population structure, very old. Now we also know that there's policy implications of this, right, when we look at who votes, the elderly votes. So if your country has an old population, you gotta think about what they are going to vote for, the services, the medical, um think about you know schools and how they could be impacted by it um so remember older people tend to vote there could be something about not having enough workers and that was the big issue we talked about in japan the idea that they did not have enough workers to support um the aging population and then we get into the etm never been an frq it's on my list Because the world did not develop industrially and economically at the same pace in all areas, there is a large discrepancy in the types of diseases found across the world. So in the 1970s, an epidemiologist, and you should be hearing that all over the news today, identified predictable stages in disease and life expectancies that countries experience as they develop. This has been known to be the E T M. It corresponds with the stages of the DTM. Okay, now this is where stage five is kind of questionable. We don't know if there truly is a stage five. First stage pestilence and famine. The description of it parasitic or infectious disease, accidents, animal attacks, human conflicts cause the most death. You have a high death rate and low life expectancy. Number two receding pandemics. The number of pandemics, widespread disease that affect large populations, decline as a result of improvement in sanitation, nutrition, and medicine. So think of like the bubonic plague, the Black Death, that was, um, it spread, killed about a third of the population of Europe, but as sanitation improves, those pandemics uh, are less of a threat, and I know that seems very odd to say right now a decreasing death rate and an increasing life expectancy. If you notice with it, we're getting older. We are going to start to see degenerative and human-created diseases. As we live longer, it's more about our body getting old, the wear and tear, older diseases, our human actions are taking into account. So we start to see infectious and parasitic disease continue to decrease, right? Because there's improvements in sanitation and medicine, but diseases associated with aging, heart disease, cancer, um, dementia, Alzheimer's. As we're getting older, we are starting to uh, have diseases that are new because people were living to their 30s and the 40s. Death rate stabilizes at a low level and life expectancy increases. Delayed degenerative diseases is stage four, and it really is an extension of stage three, but the age-related diseases are put off as medical uh, procedures delay the onset of these diseases through advanced procedures. Diseases such as Alzheimer's and dementia increase. So our technology, our medicine, those are all improvement. Death rate reaches its lowest level and life expectancy reaches a peak. We could also talk about lifestyle again, smoking, alcohol. So really stage three and stage four kind of go hand in hand. Stage five, re-emerging of infectious and parasitic diseases. Infectious and parasitic diseases increase as some bacteria and parasites become resistant to antibiotics and vaccines and life expectancy will go down. So this is where stage five, I mean, they're talking about infectious and parasitic diseases. And right now we have a global pandemic, which would be more about stage two. So I think that's why there's some questions about stage three. So just a couple of things, eating healthier food, drinking less alcohol, exercising more. We have particular, especially in developed countries, we are living longer. Uh, One of the biggest lifestyle changes has been in smoking. Okay, so remember when we get into stage three and stage four, smoking, a good example of that would be lung cancer. And the last one would be 2.6, Malthus. Explain the theories of population growth and decline. And here's what we need to know in 2.b.3. We need to know Malthus' theory and his critiques are used to analyze population change and its consequence. Remember, Malthus published a book about the principles of population, and he basically said, "We are running out of food. We are running out of resources to feed our growing population." okay? He first, he basically said food production grew more quickly um, than than basically people. Um, and so famine did not reach the scale. he feared. So people today have adopted his basic principles or his basic ideas and coined the term Neo-Malthusians. Actually, let me go back and restate that because that's a lot because Neo-Malthusians, they agree with Malthus, but they're going to take it to a little bit. So basically, Malthus, food production would increase arithmetically and growing steadily, but by the same amount each generation. However our food supply would not be able to keep up. He believed that people would not limit the number of children they had, so the population would increase exponentially, multiplying by the same amount each generation. Since population would grow faster than food production, the world population would, be, would soon be unsupportable, not sustainable. If people could limit population growth voluntarily, widespread and uh, massive starvation would occur. So Malthus today. So we look at this and we call it Malthusian theory. Food production, you know, the whole idea about food production, sustainability in our population. Neo-Malthusians agree with him. However, They argue that global overpopulation is a serious problem and even a greater threat for the future. They point out continued population growth will lead to depletion of non-renewable resources such as petroleum and metals, pollution of air and water, and shortages of food, which could all bring social, political, and environmental effects. It would be catastrophic. So they agree with Malthus, and they're taking it a step further with resources. Remember the key person here is Balsarup. Balsarip says, wait a minute, people are going to have less kids. And we're seeing that. Especially that we don't need as many kids because of the industrial revolution. We have technology. We know that as you become educated, the total fertility rate goes down. People are gonna have less kids. So balsarup is already saying, listen, his theory is not making sense. People have less kids. But we also have technology, we have ways to grow food, we have money, we have scientists, we can invest in our agriculture. And that's why balsyrup agree or disagrees with Malthus and Neo-Malthusians. We have 2.7 left, which is pronatal, antinatalist, and we gotta talk about women again. We gotta talk about aging population, we gotta talk about migration and we will be done with unit two. I hope this is helping.